This is Movie and a Beer, a podcast based in Portland, Oregon, where you can share in our discussion about movies and what beers go best with them. From classic cinema to the latest blockbuster, we all can use a little help figuring out what beers to enjoy in the theater or at home. So listen in and explore with us the vast world of ales and lagers to pair up with your movie experience. Okay, welcome to Movie and a Beer. My name is Dan Kapersky. Today we have with us... I'm Blake. Randall. And on this wonderful episode, we're going to discuss the movie Joker. Yes. Uh, and the yes. beers that each of us had while we watched it at the Fox Tower Theater here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, this is a quote-unquote comic book movie, but it isn't really a comic book movie in so much that it's just a explanation or an exploration of the character Joker from the Batman series for those that are unfamiliar. The movie takes place in the 1970s in a city called Gotham, which is basically New York City. They yeah. utilize that for the most part. It's directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, it has Joaquin Phoenix as the lead. He's the mental ill gentleman known as Arthur Fleck, whose life definitely starts to unravel. And he does state in the movie that now that he is not acting normal, people are noticing him. So it's kind of a lead-in to his desire to create chaos because he then becomes the center of that. There are some great supporting characters, including Robert De Niro, who plays Franklin Murray on the Franklin Murray Show, or the Murray Franklin Show. Arthur gets invited to be on the show after he does a comic appearance at a small club, and they brought him on to kind of make fun of him, but he turns it around and, and kind of sets the stage as the beginning of... The Joker's career because he gets announced as Joker when he comes mm -hmm. out. So, not to plot spoil it, but that's when it happens. I mean, in the trailer, they they do show the latest trailer. Uh, and Murray, one little thing, can you introduce me as Joker? And then cuts to the title, and we are told like October fourth, and then I, yeah, we watch it. The movie does cover a lot of social issues. It's got. Uh, Frances Conroy, those of you who have seen her, she's been in movies and television for years and decades. Uh, she was in Six Feet Under. That's the one that I remember her the oh, most as. She was the mother. Okay. Yeah, she plays nice. the mother in this. Slightly unstable, sort of mean to her son, who's there to help her out and, you know, loves her to death. Kind of. but it's Boy, her storylines. I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it does not necessarily dive into any serious backstories of any of the other DC characters. It is solely about this character named Joker. Uh, it does borrow some and has somewhat, as Blake had pointed out towards the end of the movie, kind of a new origin story or what if or multiverse, you know, variation on the typical Batman. Yeah, DC calls story. them Elseworlds. It's similar stuff as... Um uh, Red Sun, where Superman landed in Russia instead of Kansas. That's such a good story. I can't wait to read that again. But this is, feels like an Elseworlds kind of take on the Joker. It's like a like Dan was saying, what if? Like when Marvel says what if, what if his, this is how he got started? And I, the thing people like about the Joker is that he doesn't have a set origin story. They tend to like mix him up or say, like it might be this, or it could be this. It's like how the Heath Ledger Joker told like multiple stories about how he got the scars. And there's a bunch of theories on that, but I'm not going to go into those. Just yeah. well, What's the theory behind no origin story for the Joker? Like, you can't... Lazy writing? It's a, it's a way... I mean, probably yes. Uh, but it, the idea, the cool idea is to make it... Man, 
Now, it's to make it uh, like mysterious because Batman's like the great, you know, world's greatest detective in theory in the comics. He can't figure out who the Joker is. He can like CSI evidence from the Riddler from like nine months ago and figure out, oh, he's in this abandoned warehouse where they once had a joke contest or whatever, and he can't ever crack the Joker. That's no. the whole thing is he's a stoic detective and Joker's the manic comedian. I'm realizing there's a lot of connections here between Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty mm-hmm. and Batman yeah. and Joker. I'm pretty sure it was one of the... Probably, inte- like, probably inspired and intentional. Right? Like, it's got to yeah. be, right? Because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, he did Sherlock Holmes back in, mm-hmm. what, 1880s or something? Or and When was that the first appearance of Batman? Right. In, like, 19... 19- 1960? 30s? 30s? No, like in the comic book. Because he was after Superman. Yeah. And that was... That was in the 20s, wasn't it? The magic of the internet shall help us out with this quest. Mm-hmm. Help us, Google. Mon, you're our only help. <laughs> uh, 1939. Yeah. I thought it was okay. early. Yeah. Or, like, World War II. I'm pretty sure he fought the Nazis. Yeah. yeah. I know he. Pl- I know he, there's a cover with him and Robin planting gardens for the war effort. <laughs> I, love, I love this cover so much. So, I thought it was a really cool take. It also borrows elements from the uh, the killing joke. The whole aspect of him wanting to be a stand-up comedian and then failing and eventually turning into the Joker. Alan Moore took a way different take on it, but it's got similar notes. So, Randall, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you, you were not necessarily that. thrilled with it, but... The beer was great. <laughs> the the break side was great. Yeah, I don't know. The movie was... Um, like, visually, like, super appealing. Visually, it's just amazing, I think. Yeah. It really captured... Um, a tone, a grittiness of, uh, you know, 1970s New York or that sort of film era, sort of early Scorsese sort of vibe. But as far as the overall movie, like, did I enjoy it? I just didn't feel like it really went anywhere. I felt like there was no real change in any of the characters. They all just kind of stayed the same. You know, Joker is, you know, there was a slow demise for the Joker to becoming the Joker, but I didn't really care about him in the beginning of the movie anyways. There wasn't, like, a big... There wasn't any, um... What do they call it? Like a churning point for the Joker. Mm-hmm. Like really snapped. You know, it's just kind of a slow, degrading psychosis. And I just found it a little boring. Didn't care for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is interesting that some of the way that they described the, that they described the visual scenes as, do you know that it's real or not? Because he is has psychosis and has an imagination mm-hmm. that he believes is real. Just like his mother and her unfortunate fixation on... Mr. Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne, not Bruce. Who, let me just say, as a fan of comics, there's been maybe like one other, maybe two other adaptations where Thomas Wayne was portrayed as not a kind-hearted soul, and this was one of them. It threw me off. I said to Dan after the movie, he's like, Thomas Wayne's a dick. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk in the movie. Yeah. Definitely a jerk. But yeah. You know, this movie reminds me of Fight Club a little bit. Yeah. You know? I, I got a lot of that Fight too. Club story arc, but I just think Fight Club did it so much better. But, yeah. Um, What's funny is I feel like the turning point was when he got to be on the show. Like, there's, again, no spoilers, but yeah. for me, it was like, oh, this is when it's kind of, like, clicking. But I also do enjoy, like, good slow burn 70s movies and... Of course, like that movie where it just takes forever for something to happen. When it does, you're like, "What? What did I just watch?" Yeah, I think for me, the the probably if I were to say a turning point would have been when he was running, being violent and using violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ran, and there's a scene. I think it's in the previews of him kind of slow dancing in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. running down the street and goes to a city park, and there's some guys hanging out, and they're looking at him funny because he's in his clown outfit, and he's just chucking along and. Mm-hmm. You know, runs into this bathroom and there's no way to lock it. But then he realizes that he's free. 
what he has done, while he knows it's wrong, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And he's free, and so he discovers then that, you know, hey, this is something I like. Because he does talk about that with his yeah. therapist. He talks about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It comes up in some of the dialogues. It shows journal, which kind of indicates that pretty heavily. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't know if this will be a spoiler since it happens early, like the origin of the laugh. Mm. I thought that was really, really clever. Make it, I guess, heads up spoiler if you really don't want to hear any whatever about the movie. But the fact that it's a medical condition that he can't help, that he's just like, gets nervous and just starts laughing and can't stop. He's like covering his face with his elbows. Like, that's his, oh, that's good. So I was reading in an interview, uh, Joaquin Phoenix said he considered that like the Joker trying to escape. Like that persona trying to say, I want to be free and killing all the people. Well, you also said that it was uh, one so of the hardest things that he ever had to learn how to do or at least master and get it consistent yeah. each time that he did it. Oh, uh, spoiler over if you skip that. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it, yeah. It, it looked excruciating for him to do it. Like he, you know, when he had his... It looks like whooping cough. It does. It, it, it just destroyed him physically when he would start laughing. Yeah, I guess when he finally embraced it instead of thinking that his life is miserable, but really just a comedy. Okay, so what's this better than Dark Knight? I'm just trying to figure that out. They're, they're, it's like apples and oranges. Is it, it though? Because Dark, mean, Dark Knight is, is a different movie because, you know, Batman, but like... Well, Dark in Dark terms of like Joker's story, Heath Ledger... Is, is the way he played Joker a better Joker in terms of... I like that Joker better. Well, I feel like The Dark Knight is a comic book movie, and this is a movie that has a character from a comic book in it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I like the Heath Ledger Joker better. It's easier to quote. It's less depressing. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think it's, like In terms I, of just movies, though, which one did you enjoy more overall? like I guess Dark Knight. Dark Knight. I yeah. loved Joker, but I Dark yeah. Knight's one of my absolute favorite right. movies. Yeah, it's, it's that, whole, that whole trilogy is just incredible. And I think, for me, I, I'd say the same thing. It's just because it's, it's, um, mm-hmm. it has a lot of the great elements of Joker. It's definitely a different portrayal of Joker and a different portrayal of Gotham. and Dark Knight again? No, no, no. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> uh, he just presented it so well, both, both Batman's and Joker's story. And obviously the performances on both parts were amazing. Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job. But yeah, there's a bunch of clever things in this movie that I think worked really well, but they all didn't quite land together in the story. That's fair. Yeah, just, I, uh, I can see why it got mixed reviews. It's doing great. It's, I guess it's got, you know made like $600 it, um, million so far. beat the crap out of Gemini, man. So uh, are we ready to talk about the beers that yes. we had? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, if we had a commercial to insert, this would be where we do it. Okay, so now that we're back, let's pick it up with Blake. We had... I a limited selection of draft beers. Limited selection and, and a lot of rules. Yeah, a lot of rules <laughs> and some bottles. So this was at the Fox Theater in downtown Portland. They do have alcohol. They have to give you a wristband. They check your ID. You can only get one at a time. Even if you were there with your uh, friends who did this, they do the same spiel again. Yes, over and Which, over. I'm glad, I guess. Keep yeah. it safe, but it felt like a workout. Yeah, so Blake and I chose to go with bottles, and Randall mm-hmm. did a draft. So, Blake, what did you have for your bottle? I got a bottle of the Ballast Point Sculpin IPA, Ooh. solely based on the, the label and the name. The label had like a cool ship knot thing going, and the word Sculpin's fun. Yeah, it's good, and it's got a big fish on it. I, I do like me some fish. Yeah, and, and so the, the flavor profile of that was is pretty strong, as I understand. Mm-hmm. It's a, I feel like it went really well with the uh, movie. It was like a very complicated, forward, like, here's the taste. Okay, all right, there's a beer here. It's not like when you're drinking like something way too light. You know, like, this is basically water. This stuff stands out, and I feel like that really matched with the 
whole Arthur trying to stand out and like I, personally, th- I, this beer per- like complimented the movie exactly right for me. Like if I wasn't so entranced, I would have gotten a second one. But we de- <laughs> we all definitely in this packed theater did not move. Yeah, we were unfortunately in the middle of the row. I didn't think about that. Ah, we didn't good. really have a chance yeah, to get I up. Yeah, I think next time we got to do aisle. Now we know. Yeah, now we know. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So so I tried up. to drink it slower so I'd ha- enjoy it for longer. Yeah. So did you do you think it changed flavor much as it warmed up? A little bit. Probably a little more sweeter. Unfortunately, I finished it uh, pretty early in the movie because the you know trailers. If I remember correctly, it seemed a little bit sweeter. The flavor was less like extreme as mm-hmm. I drank it. Or maybe your taste buds just got normalized to it. And that's that's very likely. <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> you lose uh, sensitivity as you drink it. They poured it into black cups for us, right? Correct. Okay, cool. Yeah, that that was helpful. I feel like if I drank it out of the bottle, I would not have enjoyed it as much. Like I still like it, but like no, I mean this is okay. Okay, Dan, beer expert. Why should we care about Dan, uh, Blake's beer? Because Blake had it. Because it was a good choice. Uh, I what also. Makes, what makes it a good choice? What makes it a good choice is that this movie is complex, deep, and a slow burner, as we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that this beer, being a really complex, kind of strong flavor profile, uh, is going to draw you in and keep you. And as Blake mentioned, it, it does deaden a little bit as you let it warm up over 20 or 30 minutes sitting in a glass. I think it still holds its own. Uh, I don't mind that when the stronger beers start losing some of their bite a little mm-hmm. bit as they warm up. I certainly don't mind that. Mine did the same. So yeah, I, I, I think a stronger flavor beer didn't, doesn't have to be an IPA, but I think a stronger pale ale or just something something that has enough bite to it to hold your attention. Okay, um, what's, but your, I, yeah, what's your definition of complex, just to be clear? Okay, so, I like to use that word a lot. Yeah, I mean, it makes you. I want to sound smart about beer. It makes you sound complex. I don't. Yeah, yeah, it makes me sound really complex. So deep. It's deep. one of those fancy words. So complex would mean that it has a range of flavors. It's not very shallow. It has overlaying, so you have a malt character or a body that has the support and the sweetness. Did you say it has underlings? <laughs> underlying malt, not underlings. Oh, okay. An underlying malt, and then on top of that, you have different types of hops. Depending on when the hops are added during the boil or after the boil in a secondary or, or however many times they hop it, you're going to build complexity of flavor. It's the same with making any kind of food. The more mm-hmm. things you add to it over time, more the more under, complex it's going to build. The more underlings you grind up into your beer, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if this beer was complex, what would be its uh, polar opposite? What would be a simple beer in comparison that uh, people, like, people would know about? A glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> well, a really light beer. Like yeah. You could find any American adjunct lager out there like Coors. They had a couple of those on draft. Okay. Some really limited beers on the draft profile. They had the Breakside IPA, which is the one that you selected, mm-hmm. which was probably a pretty good choice. Mm-hmm. Complex, again, not a very shallow or thin beer. It has a lot of flavors that marry together that that blend to make a pleasant profile on your mouth you're you know that it's not just one resin cone or it's not just piney or it's not just fruity or citrus or pithy or you know it could be anything from dry leaves to earthen tones like you're tasting dirt or maybe sticking something metal in your mouth for a moment you get that kind of mm. iodized metal you know that yeah. that is a profile that exists in hops it can be very mild. It can be very strong. And so the complexity is 
the proportions of those different flavors and how they work together. So if I was at a party and I wanted something for everybody and I picked the ballast point, what would I pick? What would the other beer be then? Um, the, the opposite would be something like Coors, Coors. or Bud. Would or, you serve a Coors with this really? Like that, would that be like covering the bases if I got a Coors you, and a ballast point? If you, if you really wanted a shallow, simple beer that has a single flavor profile that doesn't change when it warms up, I mean, it just tastes um, the same. It's like okay. water. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's going to just maintain what it is. It's made for that. Uh, you could go with a pale ale that's really light, or a pilsner, or something that like that. What's a step up from the Coors Light? I love Coors Light, by the way. I, I would say a pilsner or something that's going to be similar, or a rice lager like okay. Asahi or Ooh, Sapporo. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like cheap beers, I almost want to say like a Land Shark lager, but you can't really get those right. Yeah, no. if you can find a nice cheap lager in there, and a lot of the bigger breweries are starting yeah, to come yeah. out with lower calorie. Lagers, oh, anything like that, it's going to taste better than a crappy American adjunct, but it's still an American adjunct lager. It's just done with better hop profiles and probably yeah. better malt. Remind me, American adjunct means? it. So adjunct means it's using something other than just malts. Okay. Uh, it's going to use sugars from either corn, rice, or some other grain other than barley, Okay. Use it in a sentence. Um, this beer is really adjunct. <laughs> this beer is adjunct <laughs> AF. Yes. Adjunct AF. Yes. Okay. So exactly. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, I broke my adjunct. Yeah. That's very good. So as I mentioned, I, I picked an IPA. I picked Voodoo Ranger IPA by yeah, New Belgium did. Brewing out of Colorado. Really piney citrus forward, just up in your face. Uh, grassy, almost an alcohol hit on it because it is like 7% alcohol. So, and yours was also 7%. So yeah. it was like, do I really want another one of these? Because it's it's really going to hit your taste buds and, and hang on to your taste buds a while. It does have some tropical notes on it. It lists off, it's got like Nugget, Cascade, Simcoe, Chinook, Mosaic, and Amarillo hops, which is a huge hop variety. So you're going to have grassy hits. You're going to have just a lot of what are called resins or bitterness units that are lingering as we had talked about in previous episodes the ibus don't necessarily mean it's going to taste bitter that's just how much alpha acidity is left over how much of the bitterness that you would get from acids that's what's left after it's boiled off done its magic it's delicious delicious magic it is and so i would say my beer was probably very similar to yours it's just a different hot profile Okay. So nice. same kind of solid, solid body, sweetness on the back, a little light up front, but then, you know, the Voodoo Ranger is known for being like a really strong forward beer. It's a really nice. Uh, unfortunately, it was expensive. I mean, the bottles in the drafts were like, it's a movie theater. So beware of price gouging. I think we paid like eight bucks a piece for those beers, which is like the price of a six pack at a store. Nice. Very good. Tropical notes. That's my favorite work combo as well. It's a good work. It's a good I'm going to have to try that. What was it? The Voodoo? Yep, Voodoo Ranger. So they have different iterations or versions of it. This is just the standard one they put out in bottles. The same with Ballast Point Sculpin. Oh, cool. They make four or five variations on it where they're going to add pineapple or add habanero or add something to it. So you have a base beer that's really solid, and then you're just highlighting other flavors that are going to be One can really say Elseworld versions of the beer. Yes, yeah. Elseworld versions of it. I always struggle with Voodoo Ranger because I love the logo, the skeleton with the, uh, like... Ranger hat. hat. It's a Ranger hat. Ranger hat, yeah. It's Ranger... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of that hat. Cover has. It's such a cool art style. 
it's not when I can just casually drink, I feel like. Yeah. This like, is, it just seems weird to just be at home, like, ah, long day at work. Casual sit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this, I think both of these beers are beers with purpose. Beers with purpose. Yes. That's a t-shirt. That's and, a t-shirt. And, and so Randall, the one that you selected, was the one that we've actually talked a few times about before, which is a Breakside IPA. Yay, Breakside. Um, what were your thoughts? It was a beer that I enjoyed. Dan, back to you. Cool. I mean, it, we, we've... I, 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 think, I think it's come up a few times in previous episodes of a beer that we've talked about a number of times, and it has won multiple awards, and it is a very classic, standard, yeah. uh, Northwest-style IPA. It's, you a can't Portland, it's a Portland favorite. I, I live right down the street from the Breakside Brewery. It's hard to go wrong with any one of their beers that those guys make. Um, they do a really great job. Um, they're right up there with me for like 10 barrel or something like that mm-hmm. something else local like, and uh, I do like a 10 barrel I do like yeah 10 barrel's great I enjoy it I got the big one the 22 ounce because um, you're a grown man I'm a grown man it was a long movie and I had a feeling I wasn't going to like it I went a little biased I'll be honest with you I went you know that's fair. go in with an open mind that's okay. Totally cool, totally cool. But the Damn, beer. kick him off the podcast. <laughs> no open mind, no open heart, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but frankly, I, as long as you drink open beer. Yeah. Say, as long as you drink beer, I think you're fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the beer opened my mind. I yeah. was, um, I didn't, I, I love the beer. You know, it's, it's hard. It's always like when you're at a movie theater and it's like, do I really want to try something new for like the price inflated cost of a beer? And It's a real you know, gamble. It's a real gamble. It's not like... And then the, you're not sure if the movie's going to be okay. So I needed to pick something that I knew I loved, that I knew at the very least I could just like zone out and be like, damn, this is yeah. good. Three thumbs up on the beers that we selected. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely using a complex beer with a complex movie. Yeah. A good pairing. Yeah. Uh, also just a really good, clean, standard IPA, which is still going to have that mm-hmm. bitterness bite to it, but not be offensive in flavor. Our beers were a little bit strong in flavor profile, not as much so as the IP, as the Breakside IPA, but I still think all three really good choices. Yeah, if you and if you can get like two, because this is a two-hour movie. Sit in the aisle. Yeah. Like, sit in the aisle, two-hour two movie. Like maybe sip one for the first hour, sip one for the second. If you can save your last sip for the final, like cool shot that I love so much. We'll talk. <laughs> what? what? Well, you can spoil it. We spoiled like 90% of this movie. So. That's true. When he's on the taxi and he realizes his mouth is bleeding, so he puts his fingers in and draws a smile on. Yeah. I was vibrating with joy. Like, that, that's... Ah! Gosh, I really wanted to love this movie, but... Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That was a good shot. I will, I will say that was great. He did He did a good job. Good job walking out. I almost want to say that was a, uh, like, no cuts. Like, it's a steady shot from when they, like, pulled him out or maybe not. Okay, so that'll uh, bring us to the end of this episode. I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, joining us today. And as always, uh, please drink responsibly and note that the opinions expressed during the taping of this podcast are those of the hosts. And as always, hydrate as you go. Thanks for listening. This has been Movie and a Beer. Stay tuned for future episodes and features to be added to our website and podcast. And please remember to drink responsibly and hydrate Hydrate, hydrate.